If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Welcome back to the Autism Dead Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski, and before we get started today, I just want to check in with you guys, see how you're doing. So, how are you doing, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right now, 2021 was supposed to be like way better than 2020. And in a lot of ways it is. And in a lot of ways it's, it still sort of sucks, right? There's a lot going on in the world still. Uh, it's not burning quite nearly as badly as it has been. And I do think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel as far as COVID is concerned. And I am reasonably sure it's not an oncoming train, but uh, you know, I, I know that it's hard on everybody for a million different reasons. Just stay safe, be smart. And you know, we'll come out on the other end of this. My guest today is Harma Hartuni. When I was approached with his story, I immediately jumped at it. Initially, it isn't something that maybe I would have covered here because it just sort of seems like it's, I don't know, maybe it's off topic a little bit, but but in more ways, it's not. And one of the things that I wanted to focus on this year was 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 dads, right? Because dads don't talk about stuff. They just kind of keep it all inside and that's not good, right? So we try and encourage people to talk. Moms do an awesome job at uh, talking about their feelings and and how they're doing and, and whatever. And dads need to kind of step it up and and we need to do a little bit better uh, in that category. So, you know, my, my goal is to kind of talk about dad stuff and, and focus on that type of thing. Harma is such an amazing human being. He was born in the U S at a very young age. He moved to, uh, he moved back to Iran, lived through the war, lived through a lot of really horrible things was in a very, very bad car accident, had to learn to walk again, came back to the United States, came out, met his partner, and they built a family. And Harma has this really powerful message 
about redefining what fatherhood is, right? Like there's like this traditional thing where guy meets girl, they get married, they have a kid, you're a father. But it isn't always that way, right? You have same-sex couples, you have people who can't have kids on their own and they have to adopt. There's a million other things that, that go on that don't make you any less of a father or any less of a mother. And Harma's here to share his journey through life and, and everything, as well as talk about their journey through surrogacy and why they chose to go that route. And then he's going to talk about his family, right? He is a, like I said, he's he's an amazing human being. He just uh, releasing a brand new book where he is talking about rising above uh, the obstacles and and getting back up and and moving forward and not letting your past kind of drag you down. And to me, it's a very powerful message. And and I really appreciate the fact that he took the time to come on here. I was really nervous talking to him because I wanted to do this story justice, and I, I really hope that I did. Harma is. I mean, he is a hugely successful uh, entrepreneur out in California. He has a real estate company. They've done billions of dollars in you know real estate. He has been through everything, and he is living proof that perseverance and courage and rising to the occasion and not giving up pays off, right? And and so it's possible, and you can achieve your dreams no matter what uh, lies in your path. So Harma is an awesome dude. He's going to be here in just a minute. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Thanks. We're back. And today I have Harma Hartuni here. He's here to kind of talk about his his amazing journey thus far in his life and his path to fatherhood and overcoming just crazy obstacles that he's had in his life. And, you know, the more that I learned about his story, the more I was inspired, just even as a dad, it's such a cool story. So you guys are in, a, in for a treat. So Harma, thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm almost 40 years old. I was turning 40 soon. I was born in Hollywood Hospital in LA. I was 30 days old. My mom moved back to Iran and they took the passports away and I didn't have the chance to come back until I was 19. I had a very bad accident at age of 18 in Iran. I had a I hit a car, my car got totaled. I walked out, waited for the police to get there while I was thinking my dad will kill me because I totaled the car. Another car hit me and my both legs broke. And after 11 months of recovery, moved to the US and I never been back. Meanwhile, I came out, struggled with that and culturally, and then I was struggling financially. And then I never thought I will have kids because, you know, when the dream of having kids kind of you put it aside when you come out, because especially 20 years ago, I met my partner. We've been together 18 years and we have three kids now. And that's the short version of last 40 years. <laughs> you were born in the States mm -hmm. and then you moved to Iran. What was your childhood like? there? I will say that I don't want ever any child to have to go through what I went through. Although my book is all about helping people to learn and grow and bury the bad things and learn from it. Mm -hmm. However, my, um, I grew up with an amazing, loving, kind mother who is extremely um, victimized. That just creates a different insecurity, different behavior as you grow with that pers personality next to you. And then I also had a father who was extremely smart businessman who didn't know how to love, 
let's just say. And he was not a um, father figure that I will ever want to be for my kids, right? And um, and he only did what he knew. That's how I have to say it so I can forgive him. But he also taught me how to be a good, smart businessman. I followed his footsteps. I did a lot of things that he didn't do so I can be the opposite of him. And he taught me that um, indirectly. So I grew up with that. I grew up with, um, we're Christian living in a Muslim country. The people are beautiful people. Nothing, like they were so kind. They actually respected Armenians and Christians so much. And then I struggled with the government and some communities, not all. Something was off about me. I always knew that I'm different. I just didn't know that um, if you're attracted to uh, men, it's okay. You know, I like chest and hairy and uh, something about men versus female. And But you cannot have that in my culture because you can't be gay. That doesn't exist. So I struggled with that. So I grew up with that. By the time I came here, I was like, well, I'm not. I'm just attracted to men. It doesn't mean I am gay. So I just assume I'm going to um, marry a woman and just have fun on the side. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn about myself because you, it, culturally, it's not about you. You never do anything for yourself. You do for others the way I grew up. My dad was not a um, kind man. I didn't know how to love and was, you know, lots of abused um but it, it, it's, it's in the past so you moved here when you were 19 correct so do you have or did you have family here already no well my grandmother and my aunt and uncle from my mom's side they moved here my grandfather was the driver for the ambassador of U- united states in iran tehran so when the revolution happened he was pushing them if you look at uh, watch the movie um God, what was the movie name? Argo. And he was dropping them at the airport so they can get out of the country. So he got a green card and moved here. But so, but I didn't grow up with them. So when I moved here first, I was by myself. I moved in with them initially. And then obviously because um, I was different, I just moved out very fast. But I was by myself. And then I brought my sister, my brother, and then my mom. Uh, they were all US citizen. I just couldn't handle the thought of them living there and I'm living in a country that I can be who I am. So mm-hmm. then I brought them one by one and then the life changed. I, I wanted to ask you, and, and I don't know if, if there's actually like a, a, a process for this or you just have to kind of reach a point in your life where you accept yourself for who you are. And it, it, regardless of whatever you're trying to accept, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's really hard to just love yourself for who you are. Like I, that's something I struggle with myself. And I just wondered how you managed to do that (laughs) because that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, Few things happen. It wasn't one. They were, you know, growing up a lot of times I thought maybe I'm not meant to be here. In my culture, being adopted, it's not a positive thing. Okay. So I'm coming from that culture. So the way... It's not a, it's just the way it is. Maybe it's not different now, but back home. So I was like, maybe they just found me and the way I'm being treated by my father mostly. And I was like, maybe that's why. Like I had this thought. So I never felt belong to the the family part, right? So I had to learn 
to love myself. So if, if I don't think it was one time I decided, okay, that's it. I accept myself. I love myself. It's still going on. It's still right now. I take time to find myself and love myself and be okay with myself. So it's not going to just go away. But the major thing that happened in my life and I decided, okay, um, this is it. I got to just be different and think about myself and it, like basically be selfish first. Um, it was when my car accident happened. I was in a college. I was a dancer for 12 years. I was in gymnastics. I had nice cars. I had girlfriends. I had parties. And literally, this over one accident, everything was gone. I couldn't go to college. College in Iran, you cannot continue. You can't put on hold. Girlfriends, <laughs> friends, they're all walked away. Uh, couldn't dance ever again because I was told I will never walk again gymnastics. So I was like, oh my God, everything I've worked all my life, whichever at the end of 18, 19, I was gone. So then I realized that I am going to live every single day of my life as if tomorrow is my last day. And that helped me to love myself, to be okay, to say no to people around me, to be quote unquote selfish. And then uh, believe it or not, when you start loving yourself, people start respecting you more. There's a risk, people around you, there's, there's something about it just gets rise and people are like, oh, wow. So if, because people treat you the way you allow them to treat you. And I couldn't understand that until later on. So I think it was a moment that I realized I'm going to love myself. And then of course, when I moved to the US, I went through nine years of therapy. And of course, I've done a lot of other self-development stuff. But my nine years of therapy, I worked on myself every Wednesday, $110 cash, paid my therapist to work on myself to whether deal with the uh, things that happened to me or accept things. And so it's, it's not overnight. That's all I can say. Work in progress. Yep. Work in progress. When you finally, I guess when you accepted yourself, like how did that change your life? Did it, did it just sort of like open up doors? Did it, did it just make you feel more at peace? I was more con content. I was no longer living my life for others. I read something many years ago, um, and I repeat this now and more often, that in, uh, there was someone in L.A. said that, you know, it's funny in L.A. people will do um, will buy things they don't need with the money they don't have to impress people they don't like. And I was like, I don't know if it's in L.A., um, I, I mean, it's a joke about things, but overall we do things to make sure we fit in with the society. The moment I start doing things authentically and I didn't really care about doing for others, it was just what's the right way to do. I managed to have a better business. I hired better um, staff. I was more, I, you see me at work, you see me at home, it was the same. I no longer had this double life and trying to be someone I'm not. And I never start, I stopped worrying about my accent because I was so insecure about it and, and it just, everything and just all around. And then just this, this energy comes with it that you just embrace yourself. And then for some reason, every, it, it gives you the confidence that people don't even cross the line with you. That's really cool. So we fast forward to what about six years ago, five years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, with the kids, seven, seven years, seven ago. years ago. Time flies. It's crazy. Flies. Um, so you met your partner and you guys decided that you wanted to have kids, which has got to be like a, like that, that had to be kind of a cool moment. If you grow along thinking that it's impossible, 
right? And then finding out that it's not. I mean, that's got to be like such a cool thing. I mean, that's an understatement, obviously, but like that's just such a, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. And that's just, I'm really happy for you guys for one thing. You guys decided to go down the surrogacy route. Mm-hmm. And how, how was that? How was that process? Was that challenging? Were there kind of weird obstacles to overcome or? Well, thank you for, yeah, this is a great question. Um, I've been with my partner 18 years and we never wanted kids. Initially it was like, well, just not going to have kids. And then it was not an option to have kids. And then, you know, don't look at right now, a lot of um, same sex couples have kids. It was 10 years, 20 years ago. It was just not something people talked about even. And um, I remember seven, eight years ago, my sister told me that she's pregnant, which, you know, I had a big pride of raising her and being here with me. And I was so happy for her. And then I don't know, shortly after I felt sad and I was like, why am I, not going to have kids. I want to have kids. So we did look into adoptions and then I owned a few real estate offices. I had an agent that had gone through adoption with his partner and the baby was taken away from them maybe four times over and over and over. And we, our, our office was so devastated. We were raising money to help. And, and I just saw the challenges he went through. And I started looking to adoption. Um, We even thought about out of the country. Russia was one of the countries and then our countries. And then, but they don't allow, they, they rather a single man adopt, which by the way, they don't even like that, but it's easier for them than gay couple. So I was like, okay, well that we got rejected, rejected, rejected. And then was a local LA County. It's a lot different right now. But when we started eight years ago, they wanted to psychological test on us. They wanted to know how much money we have. And it was, it was the process. And then when we were learned that like, you have two years, you have to wait and we can't guarantee you're going to be able to keep the baby. And we will, I was like just hearing this horror and so, and then one agency immediately shot us down because of, uh, again, same sex. So I went to this panic mode that time is ticking and I want to have a baby and what's the next step. And like, if you look at my life in my pattern, I move on very fast when I get rejected, when I get beat up, I just get up and move to the next thing. I don't hold on to it. I don't fight the process. So I was like, okay, must be another way to have a baby. We did learn about the surrogacy the agency that we met initially, we did not like, um, it was very business-like conversation. And I wanted to have a little bit more, uh, one-on-one and I'll find another agency We love them. It was, you know, expensive. So we went, say, I, I said, okay, well, don't have that much money. We saved it up. We went back a year later to start the fee went a lot more. I was like, oh my God, you went up. It's not like, how do you just increase the price? So I went back again another nine months, saved more money. And then we went back because well, it's costly. And um, we did our surrogacy first. We thought we we're going to have a boy and a son. We told the doctor not to tell us who's is who. And we had a great relationship with our surrogate. But the donor was um, closed donor. So we don't know biologically who it is. And nine weeks into it, we realized we had twins and nine weeks into it, we realized we only have one. And so we decided whatever it is, it's as a boy and a girl, we would like to have the opposite sex since we had a lot of embryos already. 
And uh, second time around, the doctor said, okay, we're going to put the girl, girl and let's put two. I said, no, we don't want twins. Because like, well, it's unlikely you're going to have twins because she's clearly not didn't take it. And it doesn't happen a lot. Don't worry about it. And we end up with twins. So we have twin girls <laughs> and a son. They're back to back within a year apart. So triplets, basically. Yeah. Wow. How is that? Amazing. Life has a different meaning. Has um, I have no idea. I was so driven and wanted so much for my life without the kids. And now I want more. And I'm like, what was my purpose before? Because I can't remember. I really cannot. Being judged by many people, including family and friends, and that how you're supposed to do things. There is no, if anyone who's listening to this, if you're thinking about having kids, there's no right way to do it. You're going to figure out, do not worry about that. There's a um, very old saying in my culture that every baby brings their own rice and bread, meaning um, don't worry about the expenses. If you if you're going to have a child, child will bring the blessing. And honestly, I am not um, superstitious, but um, our life changed. Our it's very expensive, you know, obviously. And but the you will think you have to work less. You can actually work around it. You know, you find this power to do more when you have even more on your plate than you had before. We both work a lot. We both our kids are amazing. They speak multiple languages. Um, Obviously, it's been very tough Zooming for the last 12 months, but um, they're good kids. They make their own beds. There's nothing on their bed or floors. They clean it up. Uh, we don't let them just do whatever they want. They're, uh, we're trying to make sure they're not spoiled. And we don't know. We've never done this before. Hopefully, we'll, they're not, they turn out to be good kids and kind. Like My journey to fatherhood was, was different, obviously, but I, but I know the feeling. I met my ex-wife back in 2001 right before September 11th, actually. And I was finishing up paramedic school. I was a firefighter uh, paramedic. She had a son from a previous marriage. You know, the father was absent and, and abusive. And so I just sort of filled that role since he was a year old. And I adopted him. It's about nine years ago now. It took a long time because in here, the courts, when you have, when, when a father has when they still have their parental rights, whether they're involved with the child or not, like you have to get the rights removed in order to adopt or they have to give them up. And uh, that was a process, very expensive process, very time consuming, very emotional. Uh, but I remember, I remember the moment that, that I was able to adopt him and the judge, you know, the judge is asking me all these questions. I'm like sobbing like a baby. Cause I, I can't even, I can't even think about anything other than like, I've been waiting for this moment for so long and then the moment it hits you, it just like this wave of emotion comes over you, right? That was one of the coolest moments of my life. My two youngest are my biological kids. You know, I see all my kids the same way, but my journey to getting them in my life was different, right? So, you know, I got to experience the you know, pregnancy and the birth and stuff like that that I didn't, I, I didn't with Gavin, but mm -hmm. it was such a, such a defining moment in my life. I had all of these plans of what I was going to do. And then the moment you have kids everything sort of changes like your priorities shift and your view of yourself and the world and everything else is just different. I, I really like what your message is. You know, you talk about sort of redefining or reframing what fatherhood is. Let's talk about that for a minute. When you say reframing what fatherhood is, what do you mean by that? So it's very hard to be a good parent 
these days, right? It's not the same. It was much easier for your parents and then for their parents because it was less requirement judgment and less of what you're supposed to do now to actually keep up with everything else. In my situation, is again, I had to accept my journey, right? And my journey was like, well, you have to have a mother and a father and mom will bring this and dad will bring this. And I had to be like, okay, no, you know, and my own family will question and will be like, no, I can be a mother and a father at the same time for my child. I can be the gentle. You don't have to be be macho dad all the time or the other way around. There are people, their single parents do it all the time. They're women or men. And um, we have a lot of great grandmothers and aunts involved. But So I was struggling with the society and then my own unique family. And then I learned that, as a matter of fact, a lot of people that they have opinion, they have never gone through what I have gone through. So I had to learn not to let other people's unsolicited advice affect my life. Because I would never, like I always joke, I'm like, if you have a marriage problem, would you just go to a grocery store and ask the cashier, what do you think I should do with my wife? <laughs> you go to a marriage counselor. So it's like, why is it like an unqualified family member telling me how I should raise my kid when they either don't have kids or their kids are not quite where I want my kids to be like, so what I realized in culturally, we cross the line all the time. So I had to redefine our ours and we came up with rules in our me and my partner that let's not say no but if we say no it's a no all the way let we had a room created in our house that when there were kids we will take them down it was safest room there were toys books all that and we had a nanny with us and we told them this room it's a no no zone there is no cannot say no they can do whatever they want. They can damage the wall. They can do because I wanted them to learn. They can express themselves. But when they came up, they cannot eat at the kitchen table and then in the living room and get the ice cream. So it was like, so there's, we're unconditionally love them. But then I had to learn how do I make sure they are strong, they're independent, they learn, but they have a discipline. So they can just be loose and do whatever they want because I don't want to get home and struggle with that. So I just learned by watching others and creating my own and didn't let some ignorant comments affect us because ultimately the love you get from your kids, it's so different than anyone else. Then it's so hard to explain it. I used to tell people, oh, like I know kids, I understand kids. No way. You do not understand until you have it. Once you have it, it's just something different. and you, as you just mentioned, you just manage your life differently. Your calendar changes. You just do things different. And, and it does, it goes well. I have three kids. It's not easy, but I would have wanted any other way, especially with COVID. I think we were just walking. We're like, it's so nice to have a family. Uh, when COVID hit, it's just, it's whatever struggle is, it's, it's nice to have that dinner table with someone. Well, and you're, and you're dealing with it together, right? Like exactly. we're going on a year now, March 5th will be a year that I've been on lockdown with my three kids. All three of my kids are autistic. My oldest is immunocompromised, has a bunch of health issues. And so we just locked down because that was the safest thing. He just got his second vaccine. It doesn't change a whole lot for us. Like we still have to manage this way for right now, but 
as much as my kids drive me crazy and they, they can drive me crazy. Like kids drive their parents crazy. It's what they're supposed yeah. to do. It's their job. <laughs> if, if they're not, it's like, you're not doing something right. But yeah, I, you know, I, I can't imagine being locked down with anybody else. You know, I mean, I got to experience a lot of things with them that maybe, I mean, remote learning has been a challenge and it's not something I would ever want to do again, but I got to experience them learning and some of the difficulties in learning. And I have a whole new respect for their teachers at this, you know, after all of this. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's made this survivable for me, you know, as an adult, but life is interesting anymore. As time has gone on, do you find that society is is more accepting or there's still a lot of obstacles and, and things that we need to work on as a society? I think there's a big change last five years, huge change. But I live in a bubble. I think last five years is different. Um, and But we live in a bubble here in L.A. There's a lot of groups. Kids, if they don't go to private group, that family doesn't agree with the other family's public school. In that public school, if there are girls only, it's, that's not a good, uh, it, or it's, that's the best way to do it. And if you're going to this rich school where all the actress kids go, it's you, it was ho- so hard to get in. And then you get another group says, if your kids go there, they're not turn out to be healthy. It's like, there's a lot of, the, 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 the kids don't even get to decide anything, right? The parents are all this pressure and we are we live in a great neighborhood in hollywood hills however the school there is a public school run by the parents and our kids are going to public school and it's union so you can only imagine they're not all going back right now but they're zooming and we wanted to be to neighborhood the kids will blend in as well as not to feel like oh look at that kid has that i want to have that there's Nothing like that. So we try to be as normal as possible. Uh, But I think the society is different. But anyway, whoever you are, whatever your story is, more you get to be open about it and accept it, you're changing some other people's mindset about it. So you're normalizing it, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And um, the kids' behavior says a lot about the parents, right? Mm So we discuss a lot about what's okay and you know and from religion to food to culture we try to make them aware of the world understand what they need to know not just rely on the school but our environment um my environment i was 10 years ago um when i said i'm going to have kids they were like what today is not the same it's just very different and i'm we have a lot of work to do but it's a lot better yeah i I think the last, the last four or five years, just for me, have, have opened my eyes more to a lot of the things that were going on that I guess I, that didn't directly impact me. So I didn't realize how impactful they were, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. Point. Yep. As much as I very much dislike the last four years, I sort of feel like it's sort of helped to root out or whatever it is, we've exposed it, right? And, and you can't address something until it's exposed. You know, I find that even just as a special needs parent, you know, on a much different scale, but there's a lot of judgment. I mean, we could judge all the time for everything because people just don't understand why do you do things the way that you do it? Why can't you just put on a mask and go out to the store? You know, I mean, there's there's a million things that we're judged for every day. And the last four years have really opened my eyes to the amount of work that we still have to do 
but there's a huge movement now going in the right direction, I think. And I, and that's, I think that's good for, for everybody, whether they decide to accept things or not. You know, I think, I think we're on the side with the momentum at this point, and, and I think that's the right side of history to be on. Absolutely. Um, are you close with your family still or? Yep. Very close. Uh, very, um, my brother and sister had a great job and my, um, very close to my sister got married, has two beautiful kids. The husband is very successful. Um, they're all closing real estate as well. My mom lives very close by uh, my partner's parents moved. They come and go. So they're, they're very close to us. His sisters, they're very, very culturally also very close to them. So they come and go. We, there's no week doesn't pass that we don't see them. So it's pretty, yeah. Considering if you read the book, you'd be shocked. My mom, um, turned the gas on, tried to kill herself, tried to take me to the doctor to convert me and all the I call it anything that Armenian mother will do when the sun comes out. Then days I, I forget my anniversary, which, you know, don't tell my partner that, but she will show up with <laughs> cakes and flowers and we'll be like, it's your anniversary. And so it's very different, but yeah, we're very from that standpoint to financially, when you move from another country and you really have no money. And we were in a studio, we had to lift the table up to sleep and then lift the table back on to eat because there was no room to put our air mattress. And to that, to now, it's, um, yeah, I think it's beautiful what we have. I'm very grateful um, that we didn't grow apart. You know, I think family is so important, right? I mean, even the, the nuclear family, obviously, but then your extended family. And yep. and I know that I wouldn't be, I mean, I wouldn't have survived this long if I didn't have supportive family on, on both sides. My ex-in-laws are super supportive. Um, my ex-wife does whatever she can, you know, for the kids. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's different, but we found what works and family is really important. I'm the oldest of six kids and I didn't appreciate it when I was younger. Cause I used to get teased all the time because we had so many kids, but, but now, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a whole different thing. Like I, I appreciate that, that connection more now than what I did when I was younger. Let's talk about your book. Getting back up, a story of resilience, self acceptance, and success. That's that's a really cool title. Thank you. Thank you. Credit goes to my partner. He came up with it. Um, we had a bunch of options, and he just came up that on the spot. He's a clever man. Obviously, he he deserves his career because he's very good at it. Tell us a little bit about like what inspired you. I mean, obviously, after everything you've been through, was probably the inspiration. But what like what made you finally decide to uh, to write this? The book was not written to be a book. I had this thought that if I ever pass, I want my kids to have stories about my life and how they turn out to be a lesson that helped me shape my career. And I started writing it and then it became like a book. So, and then my partner goes like, why don't you publish it? Which I never thought he will actually be open. He's very uh, proper and I wouldn't say out there. And he said, you should publish it. And, and that's why I think my relationship is fantastic. He pushes me to to do more and want more. And so then um, I took me three and a half years and by great team, um, I'm not an author. I just never wrote anything. I never thought I should. And more and more I had people read some segments of it or chapters. They're like, oh my God, this has to come out. Um, I'm just grateful with everything happening. The book is going to be out in March 9th. The pre-order link is ready. And um, 
And the cover is, you know, it's about me going to work with a suit and the bottom of the book, it's my legs broken. So it's animated to look like, you know, the story. And um, hope the chapters mm-hmm. are all written with the, uh, the incident that happened to me and how that turned out to be a lesson. So it's funny. You might cry a little bit, but it's not written as a victim. Nothing about it should be a victim. It's all about how do you grow out of the pain and move forward and literally getting back up. I sort of relate to that. Like I started my blog 10 years ago and, and it originally was me. It was supposed to be like a, I, I was struggling to deal with some of the behaviors that we were having, you know, with my, with my kids. And, and I decided, or my wife at the time decided, you know, you, I need to start writing some of this stuff down because it's a way of coping. Right. And I can just, uh, write it like a, like a digital diary or something. So I set up this blog. I thought it was totally private. I didn't think anybody would ever read it. And I just sort of word vomited everything I was feeling and thinking, you know, on, onto these pages and it, and it wasn't private. It was very public and, uh, people started reading it and they, they were just, they were relating to it. Like I was saying all the things that you say when you don't think anybody's listening, right? Like you're very honest when, when you don't think that there's someone there that's going to judge you. Right. And so, and so it just became this thing where I just have chronicled our, our journey, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, my goal is to try and provide comfort for people who are going through a similar situation. Like I remember how alone I felt when my son was first diagnosed back in 2005, because there was nobody, especially dads out there talking about anything. And, uh, and, and so I wanted to make sure that that there was a voice out there for, for all the people who were coming behind me to, to know that they're not alone and that it's going to be okay. And that, you know, you'll be able to find a new path forward or whatever. And, and I, you know, I, I hope that my kids will be able to go back someday and, and go through that and kind of just see all the challenges that we've had as a family, but that they've overcome because every, every challenge they've overcome Right. So, so nothing has really stopped us. COVID has sort of stopped us, but, but, uh, you know, aside from that, it's, it's, we have a problem. We work through it. We figure it out. It might not be pretty. It might not be graceful. Uh, and the end result may not be perfect, but we make it to the other side of the, of the wall. And I think that's what matters. And that it's sort of, I guess it's, I sort of relate to what you were trying to do, what you were doing with your book in, in a sense, you're trying to kind of inspire people to like, look, if you can go through all of these things and you can get back up and keep going forward. I mean, there's, I mean, what's your excuse? Like, honestly, like why? I mean, I can't imagine half of what you've been through and, and for you to be where you are today shows an incredible level of perseverance and courage and, uh, whatever else you want to add to that is probably justified. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's a positive message. And I guess what, what do you hope that people take away from the book. Exactly what you said, that if I was able to go through all of this and get back up and create something that changes lives, this is not just about you, get back up and move on. I um, I had a very young gentleman sitting in front of me asking for coaching and he mentioned that many years ago his parents got divorced and um and he struggled with that and i listened and then he started crying that it was hard for him when he was coming out at 16 and i was like i 
can understand. He talked more about it, and he said that his mom uh, threw him a coming out party. And I said, I'm sorry, which part was hard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but he hung on to one parent's divorce, and which a lot of parents go, and some parents don't even get divorced, but it's worse than what they have. Like, and I'm not the only one gone through hell, right? And he's like, I just looked, I said, listen, I will continue coaching you once you read my book. And if you still have the tenacity to sit in front of me and be a victim, I said, I just want you to learn. You're young, you can get up and move on. And that literally, if I can just tell people, I'll buy the book. You don't have to buy the book. I'll hand it to you. Just read it and move on. And just don't become a victim of many years ago, if you know your dad didn't talk to you for two days or whatever, minor. Just like, and I have people gone through worse than me and listen to other stories because when you, you can write down everything you don't have, or you can write down for everything you have. And then that just will change your perspective. And that's what the intention of the book is to accept where you are. And um, you can write a new chapter if you keep reading the back old chapter. So one of the therapeutic parts of my blog for me is whatever I'm struggling with, I'll write it down and then I can walk away from it and I don't carry it with me. People ask how I've not lost my mind, you know, being a single dad to three kids with special needs. And it's like, well, I mean, that's subjective obviously, but like, I, I just, I don't, I don't carry the past. I found that it limits my ability to be what my kids need me to be. And it, it prohibits me from being the best version of me that I can be. And what purpose does it serve? You know? And, and I get like, some people have like serious trauma and stuff like that. I'm not belittling any of that. I'm just, just normal everyday stuff that you've been through. Why hang on to it? It doesn't do you any good. Like I'm actually, as we're recording this, I got divorced two weeks ago after 20 years. And that was one of the hardest things in my life because I, I didn't see it coming. I was completely caught off guard and I didn't think that I would ever be able to put my life back together, but I'm here. I have my kids. We survived COVID and every day is, is something new. There's a new possibility. I don't know what it is, good or bad, but it's something new. Mm -hmm. Right. And you just keep moving forward. So I, I totally respect your approach to, to life. I, I think it's, I think it's just spot on. And I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you said it comes out on March 9th. It's the pre-order link is ready on Amazon, but the book will be shipped March 9th. Okay. So if you guys give me the links, I can put it in the show notes so that everybody can, can click on that. And then I'll update it whenever the, um, final link, if there's a different link for that later. So I, I, everybody needs to check this out because I'm going to be diving into that this weekend. Thank you. Is I wanted to ask you something else too, for parents who maybe suspect that their child is gay. Mm-hmm. How do you support that child without like rushing their timeline or do you know what I mean? Like you don't want to out them. They need to have, that's their time. That's their thing. And you don't want to push it. But if they're afraid to come out because maybe they feel like they're not going to be accepted or that you're going to love them less, like how can you, how do you reassure them? Although my story is very different than that, but if you're a parent and you know, you feel it, you see it and you, but you yourself struggling with that. There are a lot of parents know it. They want to be okay with it, but they're not quite there yet. They actually have to work through their accepting their child. And instead of pushing the child to come out, because that's like what my mom was doing, focus on you being okay with your child when they come out. Because take your time and work on yourself 
and accepting your child versus while you are working on it, pushing them to come out and then you work on it together. Cause sometimes my mom, I felt like my mom was pushing me to come out. And then when I came out, she was not ready. And then I went, I mean, it was a weird drive. It's like if she didn't push me, I would have not said anything yet because I was not ready. I was struggling with it. It took me about 20 years to come out to myself. And then once I came out, I was like, well, everybody around me accept me in 20 minutes. And you know, they need time to process it. So if you're a parent, take your time and process yourself. Get to the point that you're truly unconditionally, you love them and you can demonstrate because I don't know, I, I we're very close to people. My mom and I were very close. So I could feel it. I could feel that she loves me, but she doesn't know how to deal with it. So make sure that truly you're okay with it, with whatever it is. And it can't just be coming out. It can be a lot of other things that your, your child, but being, um, the sexuality it shouldn't be the reason for them to be comfortable to talk to you. It should be all around it. And if you haven't been open with them about their life and that whatever the age are, 14, 15, 16, and now all of a sudden you want to overnight to say, I'm open, let's talk about it. It doesn't work like that. You, you It's like um, the trust is earned and you want them work on other areas. Don't go to the, the, the part, the sexuality to work on other parts, let them open up to you, show them there's nothing wrong if they say what they did. And that's one of the things I want to make sure I do for my kids. It's like, I, um, we don't hide alcohol. We don't, um, we don't say you're never allowed to touch this. We don't do any of that. I want them to know it's like, it's there. You shouldn't have it. You can't have it, but it's not like, hiding and pulling it away because then they won't trust me. I want, and when I, I, there's one of my daughter is like very naughty, very, very (laughs) naughty. And I, (laughs) I just got help me later when she's older, but I practice every single day when she does, she does so many, every day something new and I'm just reading inside and I'm like, I don't want her to lose her trust when she's 14 and she's going to be a teenager. I need her to know everything she does. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's okay, babe. That just, and in my head, I was like, oh, my God, I got to uh, have my own tequila shot right now before I blow up. <laughs> so just um, work on a young age. Don't assume when you're ready, the kid is ready because it, it just doesn't work like that. And I would think parents, if if your kids see I think how you would act in society. So like if you're a parent who is judgmental of people who are different, mm-hmm. then your child is never going to feel comfortable Absolutely. coming out or, or if, if they're diagnosed with something, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort mm-hmm. of a, not the same thing, but it's sort of the same yeah. principle. You, you have to, uh, you know, in my view, if any of my kids were, were to come out, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't, that to me, it's like, they're my kids. I don't see them any different. I didn't see them any different after they were diagnosed with autism or ADHD or some of the health issues. They're still my kids. I I mean, I don't know how to turn off loving them. Mm -hmm. And so not that I would ever want to know how, but yeah, but there's a lot of parents out there that, that that's a, that that's a shut off switch or something. And I, I, I just, I don't understand that. And I guess my last question is what is the one thing that parents should say or do when their child first comes out to them? Like what would be the best reaction? If you knew all this time, tell them that you knew I loved you and it doesn't matter. If you didn't know and just say, 
well, that doesn't change how much I love you, but you have to help me to go through the process with you. I always, in, even in business, I say, recruit people to the process. Don't do it alone. You want to lead. I have 400 people. I cannot lead by myself and say, do this. I have to have them buy into the vision. So if you are a parent, don't withdraw or don't tell them you're going to go work on it by yourself. Have them be part of your journey. It will actually make you feel a lot closer. So if you knew all this time, hug them and just say, I knew this all along. It has never changed. Now that you told me, I feel I'm free to talk about your life more. If you didn't know, and you most probably get a shock, but talk to them, tell them, help me to go through the process. I literally had to um, hire a therapist for my mom to tell her. Well, she was taking me to therapist to convert me to be straight. I was taking her to my therapist to say, you should read this book. And she couldn't speak English. So it was very hard for her to read that book. And um, the therapist was translating. And so it's a process, but she withdraw initially. And it would, be, it would have been nice if she, we don't have to be dancing with each other, but, um, but just be there with them. And um, because at the time goes, you never know. Look at my accident. Look, everything happened in the world. You can just overnight, everything changes. And there is no way you can go back and buy those times. So if you're listening to this, think ahead. And if, if it is, or anything else with your child, as you mentioned, so many other things can be. Um, I think it's, there is nothing more scary when your parents withdraw on you when you're young. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, that's really good advice. And I, I didn't even think about if you've already known and you let your kid know, Hey, I, I've, I've known for years, then that's, that's gotta be so reassuring because like you've already known and you still love me. And that's, exactly. that's very powerful. I appreciate that. I hadn't even thought about that. That's, that's really good. Um, do you have any parting advice for people, uh, surrogacy, wh wh whatever, like if you have one parting piece of advice, if you, yes, a couple of great advice for if you're going through surrogacy or kids, if you're going to have more than one, do it back to back. Do not wait because I would not have another one right now. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's very fun for them to be together and you as a family to be on the same age and grow together. Number two, as much as surrogacy or going adoption or whatever process you're, they, they're all costly and they're all emotional. Um, it's worth it completely worth it. And for those of you that are thinking about maybe in a couple of years when I'm ready, you're just never going to be ready. So you will regret it if you wait too long because then you could have had at younger age something else that you, so don't wait. And by the way, surrogacy is not overnight. So ours was very, so lucky and we got it in less than a two years. So it's not like you're going like, okay, your baby's ready. So it's a process. So definitely start and don't wait and um, don't overthink, don't read 19 different books and, and try to analyze how to raise. You will find it. Kids are not born to pass. They're actually born to live. And they're going to be the best thing ever happened to you. They're going to bring the best out of you. And you definitely will get white hair and you won't have time for yourself. But it's <laughs> the, the most rewarding thing um, that I can imagine. I'm so grateful that I, um, I did it. That's cool. Yeah. Kids are amazing. Definitely. Like my, my beard is now white and I, I credit my kids for that. 
exactly. a loving way. I, I've been hiding them, so uh, <laughs> but it's definitely there. Uh, how can people find you? My personal website is myfirstnamelastname.com, harmahertuni.com, H-A-R-M-A-H-A-R-T-O-U-N-I. The book is Getting Back Up. It's on Amazon. My email is info at harmahertuni.com. If you guys have any question from surrogacy to any part of journey, if I can help, email me. I promise you I'll respond no matter how busy I am. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook too. All right. I'll make sure all that information is in the show notes so people can... Uh, find you. It, this this was such a cool experience for me. So I, I really appreciate it. And uh, it, yeah. So thank you very much. You guys, you guys stay safe. Thank you. And I think it's what it's Thursday. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks man. See you later. Bye. Bye. <sighs> I love my kids. I love my kids. I love my kids. I'm saying that over and over again because I've tried to do this like three or four times now and uh, Spectrum is outside fixing my neighbor's, I don't know, internet or something and they're making all kinds of noise. And then when I think I get this almost done, then my kids decide to forget to uh, be quiet while I'm doing it. So we're going to try this one last time. And before I let you guys go, I just want to take a moment and thank Harma for taking the time to come on the show and open up about his life and his journey. I am, well, first of all, you're an amazing human being. I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. Your story of perseverance and courage is just, I mean, inspiration isn't really the right word. And I don't know a more powerful word than that. So I'm just going to say inspirational. Um, I really appreciate you being willing to share as openly and candidly as, as you have. I think that you're going to help a lot of people. And I, I think that it's amazing that you have been through as much as you have been through and it hasn't changed you in a negative way. You have been able to rise, literally rise above and, and just accomplish amazing things. Uh, you're an inspiration to me. You and I, we talked a little bit, like I, I just went through a divorce. In the year and a half leading up to that final hearing, I, mean, I felt like it was gonna be like the end of my life. And I've learned that it's not. It's actually the beginning of a new chapter. And I'm super excited about that. And you're reminding me to keep moving forward, just to keep getting back up because there's a lot of people in worse places than I am and I have the power to keep moving forward. So thank you again. You've helped me. You're going to help parents. You're going to help anybody who's you know, looking to uh, navigate surrogacy or adoption or you know maybe wanting to, to help their child who just came out and navigate that. I'm so grateful for your time and your willingness to share so openly. His book is going to be linked in the show notes below. You can get it on Amazon. Um, I, by the time you hear this, it's either going to be a pre-order link or it'll be the actual link. I encourage you guys to get it. It's, it's so inspirational. All of his social links and his uh, website and all that stuff are in the show notes below too. So you can check that out as well. And he was very open that if, if you need help with anything, if you need to talk or, uh, you have questions about surrogacy or adoption or anything like that to just email him directly and, and he will take the time to, uh, reply. So that's awesome too. As always, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All my social links are at the top of the page. I have started dabbling on Facebook again. Facebook and I broke up a couple of years back, and uh, I have I've been really stubborn about going back. But I've I've started going back, and and uh, you know I can reach more people that way too. So you can find me on Facebook as well as Twitter and everything else. So you can also subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. I don't really care which one. Just hit that beautiful subscribe button, and then rate it. If you don't mind, just take a minute and rate it. That that would be so helpful. I really would appreciate that. 
Please stay safe. You guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com that's K-I-N-U-U dot com. And be sure to use the code the autism data checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.